Welcome back to another episode of GEMS Podcast with Genesis Amaris Kemp, where the core pillars are to educate, inspire, and motivate. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this segment. Hey, y'all, and welcome back to another segment here on GEMS Podcast. For those new listeners out there, welcome into the community. You're part of the tribe now. For those seasoned listeners, thank you so much for listening to another segment. And you know, none of the segments sound the same because everyone is different. So today with me, I have Jules, and you already know me, Miss Genesis Amarskamp, the founder and host. But Jules and I are going to be spending time hearing about how she overcame toxic patterns, how she is an outside the box woman, so don't put her in the box, and now she is sober. But in order to get there, she had to learn more about herself and how to overcome those toxic patterns and those beliefs and et cetera. But before we dive in, let me tell you a little bit more about Jules so you get a background scoop. She is a woman who has lived two lives in one lifetime. The first part was a life of childhood abuse and trauma, which grew into the full-blown disease of alcoholism. Her life was out of control, and she was circling down the drain. The second part is life today and how she urgently worked through her past, and now has a wonderful life as a result. But her story is not your average girl get sober story. She didn't get just get sober. She created a life of truth and authenticity. Her story is about removing the expectations and the dogma of society and instead being guided by love, empathy, and intuition. Some may call her life risky, unethical and totally against the norm but who cares sometimes I like to say who gives a flying saucer but she sees it otherwise in a very loving open-minded marriage she is sex (laughs) she is sexually liberated because of her childhood trauma and she competed in the NPC North American Championship this year and placed Third, as a national competitor. And there's other things that Jewel has done, but I want to welcome Jewel on because she also has a book, The Making of a Woman, which is available on Amazon and in all formats. So without further ado, let's see who this woman is. Jules, come on down. Yay, it's my next contestant. <laughs> Hello, I'm so glad we could make this happen. yes thank you and y'all Jules is actually tuning in and doing this segment from vacay so total beast mode (laughs) y'all so you guys are privileged to get a glimpse into her vacay mode but then she also wants to drop some gems to help you along your journey so Jules let's jump into the connection part of this the segment. So there's two options we can do here. We could either do an icebreaker or a rapid fire 10 question game. And let's try to keep it rapid. What are you in the mood for? Rapid or icebreaker? Let's do an icebreaker. Okie dokie. Here we go. We're breaking the ice with the jewels. I want you to share something 
that is fun and interesting about yourself that your tribe doesn't know, but it makes Jules Jules, or something crazy that you have done in your life that built character? Oh, geez. Well, <laughs> I have to say <laughs> what built character, I think the, the most recent was um, walking that stage and taking third place at a national level um, for a figure bodybuilding competition. Um, I just, at age 40, I went to the gym and my goal seriously was to simply remove the cellulite from my thighs. I was tired of being tired. I had the same chatter every other woman had in their head. And I was, I was just tired of it. And so I just, I went in and, and I just put my nose to the grindstone and I got a, a, a trainer and next thing I know, like my body's starting to change and, and people are starting to make comments. And I'm like, I just want my legs to look good. And next thing you know, that I'm doing my first show. And then now I'm doing my second show and third show and, and ultimately qualified and then did nationals. I wouldn't have even thought that, let alone anybody else. <laughs> wow. And you started your journey into bodybuilding. Was it right at 40 or did you train before you entered into um, bodybuilding? No, no. I was like, I want to say like most women, um, I was taught, you know, cardio, cardio, cardio. Let's keep doing cardio, right? And, and then I was taught that I actually have to have muscle to tone muscle, which was completely mind blowing for me at the time. Um, and so I had done a lot of, of that sort of stuff, like, you know, endurance and running and that sort of stuff, but never stepped over to the other side of the gym. And so that actually, like I said, when, when I went to that trainer and, at age 40 and said, I just want to change this. And she pretty much grabbed my hand and we went to the other side of the gym. And, and that's where it began. And I really realized how I didn't have to fit in the box of my gender, nor did I have to have the outcome that people expected of women who lift, right? I, I'm still super feminine. I'm, I'm super strong, <laughs> super muscular, but I still rock my red bottom heels like any other woman. So, I mean, so it's like, I, it's, it's been an awesome experience, very surprising on many levels. That is amazing. And I like how you talked about you didn't change who you were to fit in, into the norm of what quote unquote a woman bodybuilder looks like. Because people from the outside, they're like, oh, I, I may want to do that, but I don't want to be She-Hulk or I don't want to look manly. You still want that femininity. You still want that swag, that sexiness, that et cetera. But you don't just want to look good. You want to feel good. And whenever you feel good, you look good because that boosts your confidence. It's good for your health and all of that stuff. So this is definitely going to segue into you overcoming some of those um, toxic patterns because I'm sure by you doing that work to overcome the toxic patterns, it gave you the courage to try something new and you were open and receptive to go down the line of bodybuilding. So thank you for sharing that, Jules. And you're, I'm going to have to have you stand up and showcase that body, y'all. So for those of y'all that are on the video, you can see how someone Jules age age is not in the factor how she is rocking it so this concludes the connection part of the segment now we're going to jump into the main segment Jewel and I gotta highlight you here so show us those guns oh girl look at they're they're, they're like 
they're, they're nice size. <laughs> I'm very happy with them, actually. <laughs> I used to weigh 120 pounds. I was, I was just a little skinny person. And uh, that's, that's not the case anymore. <laughs> wow. And the funny thing was you started with just saying, oh, I just want to get rid of um, this fat and this, these things on my legs. And then here you are winning championships, going out there. But then when you go out, you're tiptoeing on those marble floors. You said you're rocking your red bottoms. You're embracing your sexiness and all yeah. of that. So, you know, this is, this is the later part, but we're going to dive into the beginning of how you overcame those toxic patterns, because once you broke those limiting beliefs, those boundaries, the thoughts, and you overcame, you know, maybe the remnants of you going through child abuse and trauma, then I'm sure that's when you figured out, okay, I need to know who Jules is and not what society wants to label me as. So can you give us a synopsis of your background story? Because it's so important that we understand your background so we can appreciate where you are now. Absolutely, you know, and this is the part that nobody sees on the outside, right? They say you can't judge a book by its cover. Um, you know, if you, if you, if I just think of my, my upbringing as this whirlwind, it was just a whirlwind. I was from the Midwest, you know, I'm one of many kids. I got lost in the, in the shuffle. You know, I was, uh, you know, small framed. I kind of just got lost in the shadows, you know, and, and the way I escaped some of that physical and sexual trauma was literally leaving the households. And, and I, I dropped out in ninth grade, you know, and I just hightailed it into this adulthood with childlike behaviors and life skills. And, and the only thing I was really good at and my currency will say um, was sex. And so that is how I knew how to maneuver. And so this went on for many years. I, of course, got into with the wrong people, drinking and drugging. And, and it wasn't like it was a party house for me. For me, it was like I was desperate just to get my feet underneath me. I was tired of wearing like that mask, right? The chameleon. I had to become a chameleon for people. And, and, and that then allowed me to have a roof over my head and have food in my mouth. Because if I was their chameleon, that gave me that opportunity to kind of land and get my feet underneath me with a job and getting back into school. And, and so this went on for 19 years. So I yeah. want to ask, cause that, that's a, ooh. so 19 yeah. years this went on, but then you mentioned in ninth grade is when you dropped out of high school and then you were using what you got in order to make what you needed. So you were using your body as an asset and a vehicle. And you mentioned that you were good at sex. So sex was actually putting a roof over, over your head and getting you what you needed. But then you felt like you were living, living two lives and you weren't really living for jewels. You were doing what wasn't necessary. So in the middle of you coming to that decision of dropping out of high school, did you have any supporters or someone that stepped in to advocate you to try to talk you out of it. And that is the thing. When you're in this certain type of environment, it's the adults I have to watch out for. It's not the other kids. It's not people my age. It's the adults in my life. And so really the only time, and, and let's face it, with a, a girl going through this sort of thing, I have layers of armor to me 
even if you did speak wisdom to me, I wasn't going to listen to anything because I don't trust anybody. Exactly. Right. And so that's why I, you know, and I'm very strong willed, you know, and, and so actually what happened is when I got sober, I got sober at the age of 35. And that is this pivotal point in my life. And it didn't happen because I said, wow, my life is out of control. I should probably get sober. It was nothing like that. You know, it, it was more like, um, it was more like me, like just kind of going, well, this kind of feels comfortable. Let's do this, you know? And so when I got sober, that gave me that opportunity to kind of really land. And then really like you take away all of the outside stuff. And you learn that how to kind of just sit in your own stillness, which by the way, was a complete disaster because I'm a hot mess. I don't have my Band-Aid anymore. I don't have my currency anymore. I cannot maneuver people. I can't drink or drug it down. I mean, I'm raw. I'm just raw in this room of people who don't have to respect me, but they love me enough to ask me to come back. Wow. Let's, let's yes. pause that because... That is pivotal. You said yeah. you're real, you're raw. You didn't have your band-aid. So it was like you were completely transparent. You were vulnerable. And what added that extra protection was no longer there. So you were in a state where some people may have said you were fragile, but then you were very open because you didn't have that outer protection. Would you say that's a good example? Good narrative? Yes, because vulnerability is actually strength. We know that today, but you and I know that on the other side of that, it does not feel like it at all. We, I don't feel strong when I'm stepping into the shoes of vulnerability, but ultimately I know now that that's, that's what I have to do. And I think when I, the, the things I endured during those first few years, you know, learning to go back, even when I don't want to, you know, making my word, like living by integrity, you know, if I say I'm going to be there to show up, like this is now my new family, we'll call it, right? And we're all just as crazy and messy. I mean, we have people coming in, coming out. I mean, we are all that hot mess in that chair from time to time. But we're this unity of people who desperately want to stay sober. Absolutely. That's our, that's our common thread. And so that was really, that's where I learned my life skills. You know, I'm far from a poster child of anything of the rooms of recovery. I'm not going there at all. But what it did is it taught me how to be able to listen to other people without interrupting them. It taught me amazing skills that that was actually the first place I, I actually saw a man cry. Mind-blowing. Like, those, those were the people I was... I was always defending myself from, and I actually saw someone cry. So it, it really helped me unlearn some of the things that battleground of using had taught me. And so I think now looking at the things I get to do today and you know, being sober, being on vacation, we didn't even have vacations growing up. We're lucky we went to the darn park. I mean, <laughs> But, but I think this is, what, this is what taught me now how to see things differently and totally on a level of gratitude. Yeah. And yeah. oh my gosh, your, your story so far is so powerful because there may be another man or woman listening that says, oh my gosh, she's telling 
my life story, but from a different vantage point or perspective. So Jules, you mentioned at 35 was when you got sober. So, and then five years after that is when you started, um, your bodybuilding journey. So I want to focus on 35. Mm. So what was that breaking point and that aha moment that led you down the path that, okay, something has got to change in order for me to live life optimally, take control back of my life and stop living this double life, this double standard and stop being a chameleon, but just be me a hundred percent straight out the gate, real talk and love me. Girl, I wish it was that fancy. I had none of those thoughts. <laughs> none. none. You know, I didn't even know who the real me was. I didn't even know she existed. I thought from here up, here up. I never turned inward because of course that's where all the, that's where all the darkness was. Um, so, and I was always cerebral. I was always figuring things out. I mean, so that part of me had never even been exposed. So I can't even give you some fantastic, you know, oh, it's ceremonial. It wasn't. Girl, I was sitting in the backseat of a car. <laughs> I may come into the people in the front. Damn, I wish I didn't drink so much. <laughs> and the two women in the front seat were both in recovery. And within a 30-minute window, I was sitting in the, the, the rooms of recovery. Wow. And, and the room was packed. It was packed. And I thought to myself in Dallas, Texas, these are not my people. <laughs> these are not my people. And that's exactly what the alcoholic does, right? I'm like sitting in the gutter and I'm like, but these are not my people. <laughs> like, <laughs> and it was the first time I had cried in probably about eight years, but I had no reason. I had no idea why. I had no idea why. Wow. Okay. So eight. So eight. Um... And this is not to be religious or spiritual, but I do come from that background. So eight is actually the number of new beginnings. Seven is the number of new completions. And you had no idea why you were crying. And sometimes we cry and we're like, why am I crying? Why am I emotional? But crying is not a sign of, you know, weakness. Weakness, it's a sign of strength because sometimes when we're holding things up and everything is bottled up, we need to go through a period of purging and release in order to kind of shed those layers or go through the pruning process. And then once we're done crying, you feel a little bit better. You feel lighter. Did you feel lighter once you shed those tears or how did you feel after you cried and then you realize, dang, it was eight years until I shed some tears. So my tear ducts are working. They're working. <laughs> <laughs> and I think actually, you know, scientists have shown that in within the tear glands itself, the tear ducts themselves, I mean, that there's toxins within the tears. So, you know, totally spot, spot on. I mean, it's, it's releasing the toxicities of my body. Um, I just remembered how... For me, things were either warm or cold, and it just felt really warm and welcoming there. And afterwards, I was exhausted, like an emotional hangover had taken place, right? Like, I just wanted to go home, eat, and go to sleep. But I went to the meeting the next day, and I went to the meeting the next day, and the next day, and the next day, and I continued to do that. And no matter what I felt like, that was another thing I had to learn. Like my feelings as a woman navigate me intuitively. I am navigated, right? Well, sometimes the, the, the feelings aren't, they're not 
truth on what is reality, their truth on the trauma. And so I had to really learn how to differentiate, like really turn inward. Like why, why is it when, you know, this person speaks, I get that weird chill or so I, I really had, and, and, and that's where I was able to do those things because there's such diversity within that room. And these are the people who saved my life, right? I mean, it's, it's just, it's, it's the complete opposite, I think, of what we would think the picture perfect scenario would be. And I think that's what makes my story so beautiful is that some of the angels who have been in my life are the complete outcasts. Um, they, I've met with some amazing counselors and therapists, but nine times out of 10, it's the woman in the room who shared the story that just struck my chords. She was the one who moved my mountains, right? She's the one who like, wow, I can. I can you, you think I can do this? You can do this. Yeah, because it's not always the pretty perfect people who have everything right on paper. It's the unconventional people. It's the people that have gone through a hell of a life or they've gone through a mess. But it's in the me I like to say it's in the mess that curates your message. And that's why the word message has mess in the beginning. Just like the word testimony, you have to be tested before you can share a testimony. And then if you think about breakthrough, what do you see in the beginning? break because sometimes you have to be broken in order for you to make it through but in all of that you realize that life didn't just happen to you it happened for you and yes we've all had those l's and i like to say losses but then it's like what are you learning from the losses and how is that helping you develop personally and professionally how is it helping you mentally physically emotionally and spiritually and is it pushing you into the next season of your life where you're popping outside of that box and you're saying you know what screw the critics screw the naysayers screw the haters I wasn't born in a box so why am I letting someone place me in the box yes society's gonna have that that chatter but just because society has that chatter does not mean you need to be confined and conditioned to what societal norms are because each one of us is an individual and your story is your story and no one could take that away because they haven't walked in your shoes they haven't had the experiences that you experienced they haven't been through maybe that childhood trauma or that abuse just like you have it hasn't been identical but they may have empathy and be able to relate but the relationships and the experience you have is personal to you and what makes you unique is what sets you apart so why do we always have to run and hide and put on these facades and masks and just do certain things for the appeasement of other people and, you know, I've thought about that. I've thought about why is it that, because I mean, it is, it's, it's a powerful draw to put people in this box too. And, and, you know, what I've, what I've thought about is that as human beings, we we're meant to be with each other, right? We're not meant to be solo. We're kind of a pack type of orientation. We like to be with our loved ones. And I think if I know what box to put you in, I feel a sense of safety. So if that means you're a kangaroo with purple hair, I now know what to expect from you, right? And so then I, there's no surprises. So it's actually within the lines of my survival. And so that's why I, I feel that like, that's why I instinctually like walk into a room and I'll be like purple hair, da -da 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 -da, you know, instinctually, yeah, my, my, my mind does that. And I'll be like, okay, we're safe. <laughs> 
you know? Um, so that's kind of the way. And something else that's really happened or really helped because we do have the purple hair and the yellow hairs. And sometimes I'm like, oh my God, you make no sense to me. But then I look at my timeline and I have to believe that everybody is on a timeline in a different phase of the timeline. So if you were to look at me 15, 25 years ago, you wouldn't have even, you wouldn't even noticed me. You would not have recognized me. So I have to believe that when I see something that is very disturbing to me, that perhaps they're still on, like you're saying, the test of the Moni, right? That, that portion of it, and that it's just part of their journey, which then ultimately lets me open my heart because I know when I was at that stage, I wanted no, no more judgment. I was already struggling enough. I just needed someone to love me where I was at. And so that's kind of how I try to understand the world and some of the crazy things that happen within it. Yeah. And one challenge I want to say for the audience is whenever you say, you know me, I just want to ask, you know me, but do you know my story? You know me, but do you know my pain? You know me, but do you know the hurt and the suffering? You see, I am where I am, but do you know what I had to do to get to where I am? So many people are putting people on pedestals nowadays. And whenever someone disappoints them, they feel like, oh, you're a fake. You're a phony. You're a fraud. But I didn't ask you to put me on a pedestal. You chose to put me there. And because I didn't do something that you agree with, now you feel like I let you down when you're setting unreal expectations for me that I didn't ask you to put those expectations expectations on. And I'm just giving this to y'all real and feel free to agree or disagree, Jules. As a visionary life coach, that's what I do in my paid business for those who want to work with me. I'm like, I haven't always been a visionary life coach. I fell into it when I got laid off from oil and gas in the middle of the pandemic after losing my father and going through a hell of a mess. So I was like, I may not have, you know, the fancy degrees, but I do have a degree in supply chain and logistics and technology and minors in purchasing and organizational leadership and supervision. But that doesn't mean that Genesis as a woman isn't going to evolve because as life challenges me, there's ways to evolve. Just like you, Jules, you aren't always going to be that woman that's going to be bottled up, contained or whatnot. You use what happened to you, you broke the mold, and now you're helping others overcome toxic behavior, patterns, and et cetera. But what gives you the credibility is you've lived through it, you've been through it, and you've navigated it out of it. So that gives you experience to help somebody else. So they could either take it or they could leave it. And we're we're not everyone's cup of tea, but we're somebody's. Yes. And you know what? I struggled. I struggle. I'm glad you made this point because dropping out at that age and then ultimately always trying to get caught up, caught up, caught up the, the letters after somebody's name, I, I, I've always felt inferior. Like if you were smart, if you had more letters, you were smarter, which mean that you were better. That's the equation I had in my head. And so now that I've been able to kind of catch up, you know, and get on, you know, get at the big, you know, the table, the off, you know, the meeting table and, and see some of these people with all these letters. And I'm like, that's not adding up, <laughs> you know, but I think more so um, it's like, I have a, like a PhD in, in my soul. And I know I, as, as an alcoholic, as 
a recovered alcoholic or whatever box title you want me to say, I know how it is to talk to somebody else in those exact same shoes. The Making of a Woman, the book that, that the reason why I wrote it was not to sprinkle more trauma into the world. That was not, that was not the goal. But the goal was because we have, like you and I, we come from different backgrounds, totally different, you know, different everything, right? And, and, but our story is the same because of that language of the heart. So when I say the word love, you know exactly what that feels like. Or if I say the word despair or fear, you know exactly what that feels like too. And so with the book, that's exactly how we navigated through that timeline was with, you know, the excitement of this little girl and she was seven years old. And I mean, you can feel it. And then you go down into those dark spots and you're like, and it's scary and it's, it's cold in here. And, you know, that that's what we need. We don't need any more educated people in the world. <laughs> we already have enough know-it-alls. We need people who can sit down and say, I know what that feels like. Absolutely. Girl, I have been in your shoes. <laughs> yeah. We need people that are going to be real, authentic. They're not going to judge. They're not going to have their biases. But what are their credentials? Real life experiences. They may not have that MD. They may not have that BSN, that RN, that PhD. They may not have all those credentials behind their name. But are they any less valuable than those who do have the degrees? Yes, it's amazing to have the degrees, but sometimes when you get those degrees, y'all, I'm just going to be straight. When I got my degree and when did I graduate? 2016 from college. And when I went to work and I sh showed them that I had that paper and I wanted to move into that next professional thing, they say it doesn't always work like that. It's based on business need. It's based on your skills and et cetera. But I already had experience, but it's like, how, how much longer are we going to let somebody else confine and define us? When are you going to wake up and start taking actions and start controlling your own narrative? So what I did was unconventional. I said, oh, okay, I'm going to begin to network and I'm going to use my mouth in a good way. And I'm going to be an advocate for myself and navigate my own vehicle to get me to where I want to go, because people aren't always going to just tap you on the shoulder or hand you things on a silver platter, like it's the creme de la creme, you have to know how to use your, your assets in a way that is conducive. And I'm not talking about in a way that is nasty or snarky, but allow your mental, your mental capabilities and allow your strengths and skills to be leveraged to allow you to navigate and walk into uncharted territories. So networking is very powerful because it tells you, it's tied to your network, your life experiences. There's someone out there who needs your help. So how can you be a solution to their problem? There's other ways that you can leverage, leverage and number up your game, dot, dot, dot. And I'm going to leave it there because I'm going to throw you an audible jewel to see, is there anything else that I didn't ask you or we didn't cover that you want to interject here before we jump into the CTA? Because I want to let you get back to your vacation. <laughs> Oh yeah, well this is fabulous. I mean, this fills my heart. So it, this is this is a perfect win-win. You know, the only thing I think about that comes to mind is as we talk about life and stories, and you know, one thing that was very very pivotal for me when I was really struggling, especially when I was playing that catch-up, is a woman took me to the side and she said, "You know, Jules, 
you're exactly where you're supposed to be doing exactly what you're doing. And I was floored. Like the, 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 you know, we're human beings, not human doers, right? Like we just need to be sometimes, you know, I don't need to tell something, somebody what they need to do because in their heart of heart, they have the same director as I do. So I, I, I just want to leave with that, that you're exactly where you're supposed to be. Absolutely. So y'all, um, you heard Jules, you're exactly where you're supposed to be. So stop looking and trying to compare yourself with somebody else. Walk out your own journey and follow that intuition. Listen, listen to that still small voice and that discernment, and it will not lead you astray. You know what you need to do. And it can feel scary to make that leap of faith or step outside of your comfort zone. But when you do, you realize that it is necessary. And it's exactly what you needed to do, but you just had to take a step back and go inward in order for external factors and possibilities and opportunities to line up for you. So Joel, tell the audience how they could connect with you via your website and where do you primarily hang out on social media? You know, we were able to build like this mothership <laughs> and it's the name of the book, you know, www.themakingofawoman.com. Simple as that. There you'll find everything from where to purchase the book, blogs I've written on some of my vacations, um, all of my social media channels, um, everything. There's a fabulous book trailer on there. I mean, we were just able to do so much with this. And then on any of the channels, I'm the one who you know interacts and, and talks with people. So always feel, fear, feel free to drop me a line or a picture of somewhere beautiful because I too will need a pick me up once in a while. So let's like keep this together. Um, and that's really, you know, and of course there's YouTube and all those other things, but all that stuff's there. The main thing is if, if there's anything to run by me or share with me, I would totally love to hear it. Amazing. And thank you so much, Jules, for just coming into the community and just having this coffee chat style conversation and just getting real and honest with me, two women from different areas chatting it up, connecting based on our commonalities and similarities to really educate, inspire, and motivate others. Those are the pillars of this show, but we're also weaving in that diversity, that equity, that inclusion, and belonging. Audience, all of uh, Jewel's contact information, which is her website that has all the backlinks of where she hangs out, will be in the show notes. So all you have to do is read, scroll on down, and tap in with her. Don't forget to like, comment, follow, and subscribe. We're on 40 plus audio platforms. And you could also see this video recording on our YouTube channel by going to GEMS, and that's G-E-M-S with Genesis Amaris Kemp. And lastly, but not least, my big ASK ask is for brand sponsors. It does take money to keep the mission and the movement going. So if you wanna partner with me and have your products and services heard right here where this podcast is ranked in the top 2% globally out of 2.8 million podcasts per the metrics on www.listennotes.com. That's where you can fact check me and make sure that Genesis is a woman, a woman of her word. Uh, reach out to me at genesisamarskemp.net. Click that podcast tab and see all the other things I have going on on my website or send me a personalized email to gems with Genesis Amaris Kemp 
at gmail.com. So you can find out how we can begin to work together because collaboration is not the new competition. It's the new way to create synergies where we could go faster and further together. So until the next episode, peace, love, and lots of blessings. Signing out, Genesis of Mars Camp and Jewels. Peace, y'all. Thank you for listening to another segment of GEMS Podcast. Hope you enjoyed this recording. Make sure you like, comment, share, and subscribe to GEMS Podcast on your audio platform, as well as our YouTube channel, GEMS with Genesis Mars Kemp. We would love for you to be a sponsor, so please reach out via email at GEMS, G-E-M-S, with W-I-T-H, Genesis, G-E-N-E-S-I-S, Amaris, A-M-A-R-I-S, Kemp, K-E-M-P, at gmail.com, where your brand, your swag, your services can be here on GEMS Podcasts.